Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features senior pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, Pastor Eric preaches from a variety of scriptures about the eternal security of the believer. God is both powerful and loving enough to eternally secure us. As you'll see in this episode, many holy scriptures ensure us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Though we are far from guiltless and blameless, God is faithful to us through Jesus' sacrifice. God sustains us. How does this support your confidence in Christ? And now, here's Pastor Eric. So the first text I want you to see is found in the Gospel of John. John chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 22 through 30. This is Jesus talking. If you're using the Black Pew Bible, that's page 896. It's an ESV Bible. That's our gift to you today. If you're a guest, you can take that with you. You can also take a candle in the foyer or some hand sanitizer. Uh, you can fill out a guest card. We'd love to get to know you. John chapter 10, we'll begin reading in verse 22. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. Amen? It was winter this morning, it felt like. Not so much in here. You need me to cut it down one, probably. Uh, yes, certainly. We certainly need to. Um, Jesus, during this time, was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ... Not his last name, it means Messiah, which means anointed one. If you are the Messiah, the anointed one, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you didn't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. Right? The miracles, the works, the things that he does. But you don't believe me, he says, because you're not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, because they know Him. I give them, they don't work for it, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. It's pretty important. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. What a great promise. As if that's not enough. He goes on, verse 29, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The first question that we come to in the words of Jesus is this, who can snatch us out of His hand? And He says, no one. He says, as if that's not enough, the Father's greater than me, no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. If we are His and He gives us eternal life and we will never perish and we are His sheep, and once a sheep, always a sheep, and we're in His hand, and we're secure, and none can separate us out of His hand, and none can separate us out of the Father's hand, I would say that's pretty eternally secure, wouldn't you? Millard Erickson, who is a great uh, theologian and, uh, and professor, writes this about the Greek wording there. John uses a Greek grammatical construction which is a very emphatic way of declaring that something will not happen in the future. 
as in verse 28, I give them eternal life and they will never, ever, ever, never, no way perish and no one, nobody, no how can ever snatch them out of my hand. In the Greek, Professor Erickson says that's the way the Greek carries. It shows extreme. This is, it will not happen. I like what Charles Ryrie, the, the great professor who's passed away, uh, said. The Lord said, we're secure in His hand. No one can snatch the believer out of the Father's hand. No one means no one. Not even the believer himself. No one means no one. No one means me. No one means you. No one means no one. Nothing means nothing. Right? Let me tell you about Charles Haddon Spurgeon. A story of really what one of the key things in his conversion, that great Baptist preacher. He writes and says, And when I heard it said that the Lord would keep His people right to the end, when I heard it said that Christ said, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any pluck them out of My hand. When I heard that said, I must confess, says Spurgeon, that the doctrine of the final preservation of the saints was the bait that my soul could not resist. It was sort of life insurance, an insurance of my character, an insurance of my soul, an insurance of my eternal destiny. I knew. I couldn't keep myself. But if Christ promised to keep me, then I would be safe forever. And I longed and I prayed to find Christ because I knew that if I found Him, He would not give me a temporary salvation as some preach, but eternal life, which could never be lost. The living an incorruptible seed which lives and abides forever for no one and nothing could ever separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it was that great doctrine that brought C.H. Spurgeon to salvation. Who can snatch us out of His hand? No one. No one means no one. Go back to John chapter 6. This is the second key passage. John chapter 6. Verses 35 through 40. So important that we grasp this, that, that our hearts feel this, even this season. John 6, verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that You've seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. You underline it. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I should lose nothing. I should lose, one translation says, none of all that He's given me but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have, not temporary life, eternal life. And I will, I shall, raise Him up on the last day. When we read the text, we ask this question, who will be lost? Jesus says, I'll lose none. None shall be lost. Of all the Father has given me, I come to do His will. I will raise them up. I shall lose nothing. I shall lose none. Jesus doesn't lose. 
If Jesus loses, then, then we're lost, right? Jesus is the Son of God. He doesn't lose. He, he, he wins and He keeps. And He keeps until the very end. And John writes this and Jesus preaches this. But so does the Apostle Paul. Go to the third text in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8, the great 8. A beautiful chapter. You should read the whole thing this season. Be reminded of who God is. In Romans chapter 8, verse 33 and 39, say these great words. Paul writes to the church, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. It's God who declares righteous. Who, who can bring any charge against God's chosen, His He's justified. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us today. We need that. I need that. Praise God for that. Who shall? You could say, what shall? Who shall? Separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, right, nor life, nor angels, or rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, this is key, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The question is this, what can separate us? Who can separate us? He says nothing. Paul means nothing. Nothing, just like Jesus meant nothing. Nothing means nothing, no one, nothing. He lists all these things. Can this, could this, could this, could this? The, all the extremes, no, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So this is a key doctrine. Some of you, I, I, you smile. You, you remember seven years ago looking at some of those pictures, and I don't come back to many sermons, but this is, we, we must come back to this. This is, our, this is our hope. This is our assurance this is our eternal security. And on that Sunday years ago, little Colt came forward. And little Colt sat right over here. And I had two blocks. And one that I tried to nail together before the service, and it didn't turn out so good. That was a very crooked and bad job, you know, when you've just been. But uh, De uh, Deacon Tim Warren, I let him nail, and it was clean, and it went through. And I, I nailed these two, remember that, the two two-by-fours together. And old little Colt, I handed it to you first. and said, can you separate that? And Colt, no, you, you can't separate those blocks. That's pretty hard, right? And what we were telling the kids is that's God's love for you. Nothing you can do can separate it, right? Nothing. I mean, like, you know, you think, well, I can get a saw. And well, of course, you're stretching the illustration, right? But it's, it's that. It's, it's nothing can separate us. No matter what we do, we can't pluck ourselves out of the hand. Jesus is not going to lose us, right? We, we gave that illustration about, you know, if we went to the, a youth camp and Miss Regina said, you know, I took 
15 kids to youth works and I brought back 14, we would not call her a, a good youth worker, right? You would not call Jesus a good shepherd if He said, well, 98 out of 100 ain't bad, right? He doesn't lose any. Nothing's going to be snatched. There's nothing that we can do that would separate us from God's love. So, so far, we've seen two key points. Number one, God is powerful enough to eternally secure. If He so chooses... He is full of power. And he is powerful enough to save until the end, to keep until the very end. So number one, God's powerful enough to eternally secure. But number two, we've now seen that He's loving enough to eternally secure. He said, if I love you, and I love you to the very end, and it's steadfast, unfailing love, there's nothing you can do to separate that love that's in Christ Jesus. That's beautiful and amazing thing. I wrote yesterday this couple of sentences. How can you trust a parent whose love you have to earn and keep? How can you trust a God whose love you have to earn and keep? How can someone trust a God? Some have trouble trusting their earthly parents because I had to earn his love or her love and I had to keep his love. And how can you ever fully trust a parent like that? You know, I'm sorry. How can you trust a God like that? A God whose love you have to earn and then you have to keep. And Spurgeon said, no, when I really understood that I didn't have to earn his love, justified by faith, and I understood that I, that I didn't have to keep his love, I can trust a God like that. I think many are looking for that, their souls unknowingly. They think, I don't know if I can trust God. How can I trust a God if I have to check all these religious rules and if I can lose it, if I can be saved and then fall from grace and, and if, if, if I have to earn His love and keep His love by this, do this and don't do this. How can I trust Him? I never know if He's, if he's mad God today or, or happy God today. Or, but if we know the character of God, that He powerfully secures, that He eternally secures, that He lovingly secures. You can trust Him. You can, you can have, oh, I can have assurance. You saw the John 10, you see John 6, you see Romans 8. Let's go to a fourth text. Found in 1 John, towards the end of the New Testament, 1 John chapter 5. It can be hard to find. We're just going to look at a couple of verses. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, page 1023 in the Black Pew Bible. John tells us why he writes and what we can know. He says, I write these things to you who believe, they're Christians, you believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Is it wish? I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may wish you have eternal life, that you may hope you have eternal life, or is it this, that you may know you have eternal life? You can know. You, you can know where you stand with the Father. And he says, and this is the confidence. You, don't, you shouldn't lack confidence. You have confidence toward Him. And if you pray according to His will, He, he hears and he, and he grants that. It's according to His will and His time. Know. You can know. So the doctrine is called the doctrine of eternal security. And what it produces in us is assurance of salvation. Assurance of salvation. I've told you before, it's possible for you as a believer to have eternal security and to lack assurance of salvation because you don't know this doctrine. 
I've seen a lot of Christians before. I, I think of one girl who... I believe she was saved. I believe she had eternal security because of her personality, because of not fully understanding this. She always had these doubts. She lacked assurance of salvation. She lacked peace. And it, and it was really a discipleship thing of saying, look, look, this is who you, who you are in Christ and this is what you have in Christ. Nothing can separate you. So you can have assurance. There's no need to lack it. We don't have to wonder, am I in this week or am I out? Or I feel for those that don't have assurance of salvation. They lack eternal security, that doctrine. Text number five, book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter one, another beautiful chapter. These are doctrines that we can be thankful for even this Christmas. Ephesians chapter one, we look at verses 13 and 14. The famous words in Ephesians is in Him, in Christ. This is who you are, in Him, in Christ. You should circle that. You'll find a bajillion of them in the book of Ephesians. Verse 13 says, in Him, in Christ, you also, is, you have to believe, you have to hear, you have to have faith, whoever can. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel, it's about a person, Jesus Christ, His death, burial, resurrection. You hear the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation, what was your response? You believed in Him with faith. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee, the deposit, the earnest, the down payment of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, not to our praise, but to the praise of His glory. He says, there was a pledge there was a deposit. There was earnest money. There was down payment, like down payment on a house or a car. It was a guarantee of what was to come. He said there is a seal. You can flip over and see that again in Ephesians 4.30. And turn the page, Ephesians 4.30. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed until the day of redemption. The pledge and the seal. Who's the guarantee? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our eternal security, the guarantee of what's to come. The Holy Spirit is the down payment. It is, he is the, the guarantee, the earnest money. He is the, 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 the wedding ring, the pledge ring. I guarantee everything that I'm saying. And the Holy Spirit is the seal. We can say this about sealing. The sealing means at least four things. Number one, authority. They have the seal, the signet ring, if you will. Authenticity, it is authentic. Remember the wax, the seal on the, the tomb, uh, the, the right? It's, it's, it's also, number three, ownership. The seal, it's my seal. It's also for security, that, that on the tomb, when the tomb was sealed. Sealing implies all those things. The authority of the one that puts the seal on there, the authenticity of it, the, the ownership of it, the possession, the security of that. The Holy Spirit is the seal. Why, does, why would God say, I seal you, and then, oh, took that back. Oh, you're sealed. Now, now you're not Holy Spirit this week. No, now, now you don't have the Holy Spirit. No, he says, that you deposit? No, right, right. I, they would never trust me at the bank. If, right, you're putting down a deposit, and then you're pulling it back, and here's the earnest money, or here's the engagement ring. No, not here it is, here it is, right? That's a horrible, horrible thing. That'd be a horrible God, in my opinion. 
So let's go back early. Let's, you, let's just say, even before the reformers, let's go back to the 300s, 300s, 300 years. A man named John Chrysostom. This is what the ancient man says. By this seal, God shows great forethought for humanity. He not only sets apart a people and gives them an inheritance, but secures it as well. It is just as if someone might stamp his heirs plainly in advance. So God set us apart to believe and sealed us for the inheritance of future glory. He says if you have the inheritance, it's yours. You're not quite in possession of it yet, but here is the down payment and the seal and the guarantee that it is coming, that it is secure. That is your inheritance when the time is, is full. Caleb will put up a picture of a brand. It's sort of an illustration of the, the seal. Cattle are sometimes branded. Now they're, they're tagged or marked, I suppose, but they were sealed to show ownership. Well, how are we branded cattle? Right? We're, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We bear the mark of the Holy Spirit. We bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It shows others, I belong to Christ. I belong to the Holy Spirit. I do these works. I, I, I bear His, 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 His fruit. He says, hey, you're, you're sealed. You are my sheep. You're my child. You have an inheritance. You can know you have eternal life. And, and it's, it's, it's good. I've given you the pledge, the brand to show you. Two others that we'll look at quickly. We haven't looked at these before. Number six is a scripture found in 1 Peter. Here's yet another of the New Testament prophets that writes and says, I want to tell you the truth about your status with God. 1 Peter, uh, towards the back again after Hebrews, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, he starts off much like Paul does with a, a praise like we did last week. Bless God, praise God. Bless Him. Bless His holy name. Verse 3, he says, Blessed be, praised be, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He caused us to be born again. We didn't cause ourselves to be born again. Who's the cause? He caused us to be born again to a living hope. It's not a dead hope, it's, it is hope, it is a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an, an inheritance, get this, that's imperishable. Into an inheritance that is undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded, shielded, kept through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Look at the inheritance. He tells us how we're saved by, by God's grace. And then he says, and you have this inheritance and it's imperishable. It can't be destroyed. It's undefiled. It's unfading. <laughs> it's not going to fade away. It is kept there in heaven for you. And you are, by God's power, not by your works, you're being guarded. You're being kept and preserved through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Unfading. Guarded. A great hymn says, it's the church's one foundation, one verse line in that says, The soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell 
should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no never, no never forsake. Jesus says, I, safe, you're safe in my arms. The last scripture is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 9. I want you to see what he will do. This is what the scripture says who will, he will sustain you, keep you, preserve you, you know, sustain. <laughs> who will sustain you to the end. Guiltless, blameless, are we? No. But through Christ, through His blood, through His forgiveness, through His mercy, He deems us guiltless and blameless. He will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The promise is He will sustain you to the end. We have an eternally secure salvation. Have you seen it from Scripture? I believe you see it time and time again. We, this is what we have. We have in Christ an eternally secure salvation. Once saved, always saved. No sin is too big. You say, well, what about this sin? There's no sin too big. Nothing, nothing can separate. Right? There's no sin too big. What sin is unpardonable? No, no sin. That unpardonable sin that you're thinking about in the gospel, we'll look at that some other time. That ain't it. Nothing means nothing. There, that, you can't commit that sin. Once you are saved, once you are a son, once you are adopted into the, the family of God, you are saved, you are secure. Once a son, always a son. Once a sheep, always a sheep. No sin is too big. Yeah, but man... We always bring this up because it can be a question too. A lot of uh, different churches, would they would put some qualifiers. Well, but this sin, that, that would separate you. Well, well, what about suicide? Well, what about it for the believer? Will that send him to hell? No. Nothing means nothing. No one means no one. Why? What's, what's sometimes the reasoning? Sometimes the reasoning is, well, that, I mean, there's different reasonings, but they'll say, well, sometimes the reasoning is, well, he, he sinned and uh, he, he, after he did that, he couldn't confess that sin. So he'll go to hell. Well, your salvation is not based on your confession of sin, is it? Praise God, it's not, because I can't confess every sin. I can't remember every sin. I don't have to confess all my sins to be forgiven. So that argument of, well, he couldn't, he couldn't confess that as a sin and ask for forgiveness. Well, so what? <laughs> there are a lot of sins that I sin every day and don't ask for forgiveness for. So it's not that. My salvation is not based on confession. So that doesn't work. My salvation is not based on works. That's really the big thing, right? It all depends on how you, what you believe about the gospel. And I might show you what some other churches preach about the gospel. If the gospel is a gospel of works, then we're kept by works. If the gospel is a gospel of grace through faith, then we're kept by grace. If it's a gospel of mercy, then we're kept by mercy. If we're justified by faith, we're kept by faith. It just makes sense until the very end. Once a son... Always a son. Caleb is a Sorel. There is nothing he can do to change that. I mean, he can do other things. He's a, he's, he bears my DNA right now. I mean, the bears the once adopted, always. There, there's, there's, there's nothing. You, you see this in the prodigal son. Once a son, always a son. In the home, away from the home. Most churches, most Christians, when you get down to it, they... Don't believe this doctrine. But let me tell you what it doesn't mean. Because there's always the, ah, preacher, I don't know if we can preach this. People are going to think they can do whatever and live however. No, we're not preaching that. 
right? I had a youth mom tell me, that. I don't know if we should, we should tell them that. That sure was good, but I think we just given them the license to go, no, right? Romans 6, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so grace may increase? By no means. So let me give you four things eternal security does not mean. Number one, this doctrine does not mean that Christians have freedom or permission to sin. We don't have it. Look, look all through the Bible. It does not mean now you have freedom to go out and live however and have permission to sin. No, it does not mean that. Number two, it doesn't mean that Christians cannot lose heavenly rewards and earthly blessings. And I said it means that we can't lose our position, we can't lose our salvation. We didn't say that we can't lose earthly rewards, whether that's crowns, whether that's blessings in heaven, I don't, or that we can't lose earthly blessings, right? We're not, it, there's very much room for that in Scripture for our disobedience. Number one, it does not mean that Christians have freedom or permission to sin. Number two, it does not mean that Christians cannot lose heavenly rewards or earthly blessings. Number three, it doesn't mean that Christians cannot lose fellowship with God and backslide, right? That's the prodigal son, right? Our, our relationship remains, but our fellowship, that, that can differ. That does depend, right? But John says if we confess our sins, right, we, we have fellowship, we restore that fellowship. This doesn't mean that we don't backslide. We backslide. Caleb could run off and, and be the wild child. He's still my son. I still love him. And there still might be an inheritance for him. Right? And for God, there is the inheritance is for sure. But, but the fellowship can change. The, 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 the relationship in that way could change. So it, it doesn't mean that you don't lose fellowship. It doesn't mean that you don't backslide. Number four, eternal security doesn't mean that Christians cannot be disciplined by God. God will discipline God will discipline them. I believe so much if they are a genuine Christian, some are not genuinely saved. So, well, they, they were saved and then they weren't. Look at them. How could they? Here's the bottom line. They, they never had the real thing to begin with. They never were truly a child of God. They never were justified by faith. Because if they were, then they Or maybe they were and maybe they're just backslidden and, and out of fellowship. I believe that God will eventually discipline them and get them back. Or... I believe this based on Scripture too. I believe that there's a point where God would say to the, to the believer, enough of that, I'm calling you home. I'm going to call you home. Uh, I'm not going to let you continue in that and, and continue in that sin. I've disciplined you, and if not, then, then this, come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to call you home. But God restores. God does amazing things. And so what a beautiful truth that tells us about God and the doctrine, the theology is this. Is God like the mama cat or the mama monkey? I think you've seen God is like the mama cat. He holds on to us. It is His work. It is His grip. It is His job. Therefore, we can trust God. I wrote this this week, thinking of Advent. Thinking of Advent, the only time man ever held on to God was when Jesus was born. And He was born so no one would ever have to hold on to Him. He will forever hold on to us. As we close, let's make an application of therefore. Based on this, if this is true, then two therefores today. The first is this, therefore, number one, make sure you are really saved and really secure. If we preach this, the therefore should be then I need to make sure that I really am saved and that I really am secure because it'd be horrible to go out and to think I'm eternally secure and you're really not. 
2 Peter 1.10, Peter says this. He urges him, make your calling and your election sure. Make sure of it. Make sure that you really are saved. Make sure that you really are a son, daughter of the king. Make sure you really are in the family. Maybe you got that neighbor kid or you had that neighbor kid growing up that just thought they were in your family because they were over there so much. Right? Make sure you really are in the family. Make sure you really are a kitten. Make sure you really are a sheep. We've seen those shows, right? When the duck thinks he's something he's not. A lot of those in the churches, right? Oh, I'm a kitten. Well, that's funny because I, I mean, you don't really look like a kitten. You don't really act like our dad, right? It's, you're maybe just an animal that's coming and trying to play the part. You're kind of confused. And Peter would say that to Christians. Make sure your calling and your election is, is sure. Make sure you're really safe. Because 1 John 2.19, he would say this. Uh, Some have gone out from us, but they really weren't from us. John said, he was a decisive, but there, there are those that have gone out, but they're not, they're not genuine. They're not really... So the number one thing is make sure you're really saved and you're secure. Are you really His child? And then number two, and this is the greatest, once you've settled that, you know the doctrine, not insecurity in Christ, security in Christ and assurance of salvation, then it leads to this. In this season we can do it too. Rejoice and rest, the two R's. Then rejoice. Doesn't this make you want to rejoice in God's work and to His glory, to His praise, not to us? It is not man-centered, it is God-centered, and so we rejoice in Him, and then we rest in Him. Or if you did the tease, you could say, thank Him and trust Him. This leads us to thank Him. This leads us to trust Him. Rejoice and rest. And here's what rest means. Rest does not mean your works cease. Rest means your worry ceases. Rest doesn't mean work ceased. Rest means worry does. You don't have to go on and, and worry. So it's really there. It's one of the reasons that I'm a Baptist. It's one of the reasons that there are only a few churches that I could really unite with at the very end is this doctrine that we hold to that I believe is so important. It's not inspired, but I close with the words of our Baptist faith and message. Our convention writes this in our statement of faith. All true believers endure to the end. Those whom God has accepted in Christ and sanctified by His Spirit will never fall away from the state of grace, but shall persevere to the end. Believers may fall into sin through neglect and temptation, whereby they grieve the Spirit, impair their graces and comforts, and bring reproach on the cause of Christ and temporal judgments on themselves, yet they shall be kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Man, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. He's ours. And let's praise Him for that. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.